Welcome to Lax Historical Context. I am Sean. I'm Sasha. Ready? Ready for another ready. great episode? Let's do this. Uh, this We're is so also pumped. this is also a short note episode for me. Is it another one? Yeah, but I have a lot of rambling to pre that I did not write down. Okay. For this, so okay. you know. As long as it's longer than last week's episode, I feel like you really half-assed it. I really did. <laughs> I got the book though, and then when I got the book, I was like. Okay, so the reason I should have talked about this in the last episode, the reason I didn't like that book. Okay, so like every person that enters, because I was reading the chapter on Lingo, who is the owner of the dog kennels, every person that entered Lingo's life, the author decided he needed to go on like a three page oh. expository on that person. And I was like, I do hate it when authors do that. I was like, no, I don't need that. So this time I also didn't get, I didn't get a book for this subject either. Okay. But I did theme our liquor for my specific topic. Ooh. So today we are drinking Firestone Rosalia <laughs> Beer Rosé. What <laughs> the shit is this? Um, oh my I would gosh. tap it down because it was in my pouch. Beer brewed with hibiscus and wine grapes. Yes. Oh dear God. Um. This is... Uh, I think it's going to be great for basic bitches. And you'll find out why it's... Uh, it basically has the two elements of my strike all in one. Because we have beer, which one would say is bread. Liquid bread. Oh, fuck. And then we also have roses or rosé. I think I just figured out what you're doing. Yeah, too. <laughs> I'm doing the, the bread and roses labor strike. Um, but I have a story as to why. Well, go ahead and uh, and do well, tell. Wait, no. First, we have to try it. That's that's true. We do. Okay, so mm. Rosalie Beer Rose. This is cool. All it says is beer brewed with hibiscus and wine grapes. There's no text on the can, unless yeah, and you want I me had to, to get a six pack of it. Unless you want me to read the government warning, there's nothing really for it. So just Google it if you're desperate yeah. for a description. Um, Thoughts? You also, took a sip? no, I haven't taken a sip yet. Also, I feel like the logo is very like labory. You know, like it's I could see that as like it's a, very faint, is what it is. It's annoying. But anyway, I um, don't have the lights on in here. That's like, ooh, I like that. Yeah. It's a little sour. Since I haven't sipped yet, give it give me some something to look forward to. You can sour. definitely taste a little sour. You can definitely taste the hibiscus. Okay. Let me let me go in for a second sip. Ooh ooh ooh! I'm waiting with bated breath. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. It's refreshing. I drink like six of these at a time. It's only five percent. That is not bad. Mm-hmm. Has a little. Uh, a little Miller Lite aftertaste. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I was trying to put my finger a little MGD aftertaste yeah, there's some, there. Oh, I was this close to getting. They have uh, they had a Miller, a bottle of Miller that was in a champagne bottle, <laughs> and I was like, oh, we do the champagne of beers <laughs> and take it very fucking literally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you just kick Duncan? No, I actually <laughs> brushed him with my foot, and I like I thought I was gonna kick him for a second, but then I, I like pulled up at the last second, but I still brushed him enough. This is why he doesn't like you. That's why he wants to leave. Dunk, come here. Duncan likes me. Uh, sure he does. Okay. Anyway, not as much as Krieger likes me. And no. And a hell of a lot more than Oaf likes me. Well, everybody likes somebody more than Oaf likes anybody. Oaf is the demon poodle. Yeah. There we go. I'm pretty okay. sure she's responsible for. Several of unexplained murders and crimes in the Reno area. I mean, area. I still have blood blisters from when she's bitten me. Like, yeah. girl knows how to pack a punch, and that rosé knows how to make me gassy. Or beer rosé? Bro brosé? Beerzé. 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 We're drinking beerzé on this episode uh -huh. of LHC. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty delightful. Okay, I think it is too. And you know why I got this, besides the fact that it is both bread and roses? You had a coupon. Uh, also, it's a very much a basic bitch drink, <laughs> and so. So are you? Uh, yeah, you, you are. You are just horrifically basic. I am. I'm not wearing my UGGs right now, but usually I am. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> my Costco UGGs. I don't pay full price for shit. Um, so let's talk about why I picked this subject because I think it's also equally interesting. Yes. Wait, this is not your topic. This beer. No, no, what you're about to... No, it is my topic. Okay. So originally I was going to do the... <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, how many asides are we getting? Oh, we're getting all the asides today. So originally I was going to do the the newspaper boy strike of nineteen of 1890. You just wanted to watch Newsies. I did just want to watch Newsies, and then I watched a preview of Newsies and realized how horrible it looks. <laughs> so it's like, 
F that noise. I'm not watching Newsies. (laughs) And then I was like, well, I just talked about Pinkerton and the Pinkerton Detective Agency did a lot of horrible things to strikers. Perhaps I'll do like the Pullman car strike. I've got a book, couple of books on the Pullman car strike, started reading about it. And I was like, okay, I guess I can do this. And then I was like, I'm going to the gym. So I went to the gym. And you know what I did at the gym? Put on a put on a movie. You know what movie I put on? The Dolly Parton classic. Oh fuck. Nine to five. Oh. And so I couldn't finish it at the gym because like my Wi-Fi was messed up. Uh, but I got home. I usually go to bed really early because I have to get up really early. But man, put on that nine to five, could not stop watching it. <laughs> I felt the girl power just seep through my bones. <laughs> and I was like, it's it's on. I need to see some strong women fighting the man in the workplace. And and enter the beer and rose. Yes, the bread and rose bread strike. Bread and rose strike. Okay. So I am doing girl power, bitches. And it is the 1912 Lawrence textile strike in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Ho ho. Or Taxachusetts, as we like to call it. You uh, you said you said that like it was Texas. <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> That's how they talk about it down there in Texas. Uh, you know, Dolly. Par- I'm channeling Dolly today. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. That's why I stuffed my bra. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop channeling Dolly Parton for I'm several reasons nine now. To five. Uh, okay. Again, if you guys haven't seen 9 to 5, watch it. It is a great movie. Like, I was surprised how much I liked it. There's light kidnapping. There's some body stealing from a morgue. It like it, it checks all the boxes. Ridiculously large breasts. Uh-huh. Check. Um, Fucking Dolly Parton, man. I love her. We should go to Dollywood one day. Now I think we have to. We'll do a live recording from Dollywood. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> so in, 19, uh, in 1912, on January 11th, the textile mill in Lawrence, Mass. went silent. And I was going to say what mill it is, but the history. I went to the History Channel website, and they like said one thing. And then I went to another website, and they said a different mill name. So I'm really like conflicted on who's telling me the truth alien channel or random website so it's an odd choice i have to make did you did you note the name of the random website uh one was like massachusettshistory.org or whatever it seemed legit it was like a random website like i'm not a fucking middle schooler writing a book report (laughs) i know what a credible source is on the internet well sure but i was just curious because like maybe we could like do a live commentary on it, but it's not important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Alien Channel said it was the Everett uh, textile mill, but you know. Okay. okay. But anyway, they opened their checks for the week and they saw that they were shorted 32 cents. <gasps> Which I mean, in 1912 was a shit ton of money. Yeah, that was like a down payment on a house. Yeah, like <laughs> um, it. It also could have been American wool mill. It totally wasn't a down payment on a house. No, no. I mean, to the time machine, if it was. Um, The decrease in pay. I only have 30 cents. We're never going to get a house now. I'm sorry. Damn it. We'll have to go back to 1832. (laughs) Uh, So the decrease in pay was because legislation dropped. Legislation dropped that uh, changed the max amount a worker could work from 56 hours to 44. 56 hours to 54 hours a week. Ooh. So, um, for women and children. And so most people who worked in textile mills were both women and children because they have them nimble thingies. They do. Before, before like, actual workers' rights. Yeah. That was literally the reasoning to hire yeah. them because uh, they could get in there and fix the machines without having to actually, like, stop the machines and all day. And they're, like, tiny and, like, textiles has always been seen as women's work, more or less, except if you're a tailor. True. So, um, so their hours were reduced. However, that didn't mean any quantity of work was reduced. They just sped up production times in order to make up for the two hours that they lost. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they weren't working the two hours, so they weren't going to pay them for the two hours. But that was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Real bad. Yeah. So the next day, labor mills in Lawrence, all over Lawrence, joined the strike. Despite the frigid temperatures, because it's Massachusetts in fucking January. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold. All it's the like right now. Yeah, everything you need. <laughs> yeah. Um, they gather to protest uh, the cut in their wages. Their rally cry was, we want bread. 
and roses because they wanted a living wage represented by bread so they could feed their families bread and dignity, uh, which they represented by roses because they still wanted to feel feminine and pretty. Okay. All right. Um, Bread and and roses. roses. And so they like sang songs and shit. Um, And yeah. The f- interesting thing about this labor... Do you believe my notes are done right now? No, I'm just kidding. I have another page. <laughs> uh, I was going to be like, motherfucker, Sasha. <laughs> the interesting thing about this whole strike was that it wasn't just one ethnic group. Lawrence was like a melting pot, if you will, of people. So a lot of or European, Central European and Eastern European countries were all represented here. So you had some Italians, you had Polish, a whole little slew of peeps. Interesting. Yeah, so it was weird that they were actually all willing to work together in this strike that is kind of baffling because irish and italians weren't quite to the point where they were actually considered white yet yeah i believe it's called italians i believe you're <laughs> pronouncing it wrong uh you can tell we're from a rural part of the west uh-huh. only, only racists say it italians <laughs> um so the industrial workers of the world or the wobblies uh supported the strike <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, nice little flourish there. The American Federation of Labor, which was a big uh, union in the United States at the time, did not support the strike because their members were English-speaking white guys. Ah. So they did not like immigrants. <laughs> Who would have? We've come so far. I mean. So far. So fucking far. You guys. <laughs> like you have no idea. So the lack of the backing of the AFL, the American Federation of Labor, uh, made the owners of the factories not take the striker seriously because they knew that they didn't have any real like backup for them. Sorry. The rosé is making me so gassy. <laughs> this, this room smells. Uh, just all the gas. I could light something. <laughs> I'm suffocating. I'm suffocating. Um, Help. Help. Yeah. So since they didn't have the backing of the AFL, you know, the, the owners were like, and Sean's dead now because of my <laughs> gas. Uh, the I have AFL, a kink in my neck from holding that for that long. <laughs> the AFL was like, we're not supporting you. And the owners were like, well, if the AFL's not supporting you, how are you going to feed your kids? How are you going to do all this? And that's when the Wobblies were like, hey, we're here. <laughs> we'll take care of this. We'll take care of this. They, so they brought food. They brought support. They brought organization, most of all, which, you know. They were that, you yeah. need for They sound like they were serious. They were going, yo, put us in, coach. Yeah, we got this. And so they <laughs> came and they put and they helped the strikers. And again, most of the strikers were women and some were children and some were men because somebody has to do the sweeping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the women? No. <laughs> yeah, so realizing the strikers meant business, the city and the mill owners decided to go with good old use of force. Yep. Um, I have a feeling that's going to be a recurring theme today. (laughs) (laughs) So they brought in the state militia who broke up protests and parades. You know, nobody likes a parade of strikers. (laughs) (laughs) A procession, perhaps? (laughs) They even uh, sprayed water on strikers when it was the middle of January. Fuck, it's a dick move. I almost said that's cold, but that's actually, yeah. It's a huge dick move. That's a, oh. Yeah assholes and so by february mothers and strikers mothers who were strikers decided that they should probably get their kids the hell out of dodge makes sense so they packed up all their kids or some of the kids i think the first number was like 122 and sent them to live with friends and family in new york um when the kids arrived in new york they were like treated like gods they're like oh my god look (laughs) at all these people yay they're so brave (sighs) and tiny and of course this pissed the fuck off of city officials. The city officials were like, um, no, 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 no. No more sending your kids out of here because we don't want them. We don't want any more attention drawn to us. And we <laughs> don't want them treated like gods. So we are right. But no one should know about it uh-huh. <laughs> because we are very much not right. But, you know, when you're a mom, you want the, what's best for your kids and you don't want them starving to death because you're on strike and police are beating you every other day. So on <laughs> February 24th, <laughs> like it's a low bar for parents. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> on February 24th, a group of uh, mothers and children went to the train station, even though the police said, hey, don't go to the train station. They went to the train station um, and they were met with police who clubbed both the women and children. Uh, <laughs> And arrested 30 women. Uh, The media 
got a hold of this because that's what the media does. <laughs> They're good at it. And it became national news and public opinion started to turn towards the strikers because nobody likes seeing pretty young ladies get hit with clubs. Unless that's your thing. Then that shouldn't be your thing. What are you, motherfucking Joffrey? Like <laughs> Someone just started watching Game of Thrones. Heck yeah. Okay. So because people in America were like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on in Lawrence? Congress was finally like, oh, dudes, maybe we should do something. <laughs> <laughs> we should perhaps launch, it, launch an investigation. And then Taft was like, yeah, let's investigate this. <laughs> and then he was also like, sandwiches. <laughs> Lots of sandwiches. Uh -huh. Taft was a large man. You know, fun fact, they called him Taft because he was actually made of taffy. Yeah. Uh -huh. I have heard this. <laughs> yes. I've mm, heard this. Taffy. So they started <laughs> uh, investigations into the working conditions. And with that, we're going to do uh -oh. the Sasha and Sean reenactment hour. But first, oh I'm going to oh turn God. on the room light because it's a little dark. Oh, God. What? Wait. Oh, so for everyone listening, uh, while Sasha's on the other side of the room, I was informed when I arrived today that we would be doing a dramatic reading because apparently I never uh, agreed to it. Apparently I was asked about it during the week. I don't remember this happening, but... Are we actually doing a dramatic reading? Yes. Oh, God, you have two copies of this. I have two copies. You are prepared. So you are playing all the men, and I am playing the women. Okay. Or the woman. I will, because there are several men I can see, I will, I will announce the name of who I'm playing. Okay. So everyone can more or less differentiate my character. So let me give you some background to this. Even though it lacks historical context, I think I don't want to take this too far out of context. We, we need a little context. Okay. Yeah. So this is... Uh, the testimony of one Polish, I think she's 21, 21 year old who worked in the textile mill in front of Congress. That must be the Miss Winaryzk. 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 No, I'm I'm looking at the statement of Josephine Liss. Oh, okay. Oh, Miss Liss. Okay. Yes, this is Miss Liss. Okay. Um, and I we see can stop there. whenever you get bored or tired of <laughs> how condescending the congressmen are. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, why do I feel... Also, I don't know how to do a Polish accent, and I don't know if I'm going to try, but we'll see how it goes. Don't try, because it will be vaguely <laughs> so racist, racist at best. I feel like that episode of Frasier when they did the uh, the radio play. <laughs> like, I'm way more excited about this than I should be. All right, are you ready? Okay. You begin, Chairman. All right, so this is... Oh, I'm starting at the statement of Joseph. Yes. Joseph. Okay, the Chairman. State your nationality. Polish. How long have you worked for the American Woolen Company? I'm working in a mill for about eight years and about three years for American Wool & Co. What sort of work do you do? Well, mending. I used to weave also. I used to, before I went to mending, that is. Do you work on piecework? What is your average pay per week? Piecework, $7. Are you considered a rapid or slow worker? Quite rapid because I worked for another company and I could make 10 to 12 a week on the same kind of work. I worked in another city when the work was slack. Uh, in Lawrence, I only worked a day and a half. I went away and was working for another company and was making 10 and 12 a week. Where did you work? Waterton at Anita Mills. Anta? It looks like Eatna. Anyway. Eatna. Watertown, Connecticut or New York? Watertown, Massachusetts. <laughs> Do you pay anything for water at this mill? Yes, sir. In that's, Lawrence. That's nonsensical. Anyway. No, they pay for water. <laughs> in Lawrence, we... pay anything... Oh, I see. Pay anything for water. Yeah. Okay. In Lawrence, we will pay two weeks, 10 cents for the first two weeks, and five cents for the last two, 15 cents a month. What about holding back one week's pay? Is there anything in that statement? They do hold back one week's pay? Yes, sir. Does your <laughs> father work in the mill? What does he do? Sweeps the floors all around. <laughs> what time did this strike start? The 12th of January, I think. Are you a member of the Industrial Workers of the World? No, sir, but I intend to be. <laughs> Did you ever have <laughs> any kind of controversy with the soldiers about this strike? Not about the strike. <laughs> what was it? I went for a walk one morning. I was going home. I was quite near the house. A soldier came up and told me. Can you give me the date? Say when that was. I think it was a week ago, Wednesday. If I'm not mistaken, the soldier came up to me and told me to turn back. I said I would not do it. 
He told he held me tight and I started to scream and he says, you must turn back and I would not do it. Then he swore at me. Tell me what happened. When he grabbed my arm, he started to shake me. Then his bayonet fell down and I hit him with my muff. (laughs) 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 He had one in one of my hands. He grabbed hold of me tight. (laughs) He was a pretty tall fellow. Kind of attractive, kind of dark, <laughs> kind of tall. It's not in there. <laughs> and I hit him with my muff in That the is face. in there. That is in there. <laughs> Shockingly. Wow. Uh, was that all that occurred there that day? Uh, no, there were some more militiamen who came up on me. Yeah. Why and do they I, told me to go why, home. Why do I feel like you're tricking me into a porno? <laughs> they told me to go home and I would not. And the soldiers swore at me. I felt upset that I would not go home. The police asked me my name and I refused to tell. Another one said, I will see that girl in court. Then I went to the trial. Uh, what? Yeah. Please ask me your name. I refuse to tell. Another one says, I will see that girl in court. Then I went to the trial and I said, I will be there this morning. He said, you will have your name out there. And I said, maybe I will and maybe I will not. They told me they would lock me up if I did not give them my name. I would not. This trouble was between half past six and seven. And then at 10 o'clock, I went to court and was arrested down there for assault on a soldier. This woman makes me think of Gandalf. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will give us not. Your name. I would not. Anyway, for an assault on the soldier. Yes, sir. Did you hurt the soldier when no, you hit sir. him with your muff? <laughs> I mean, my muff is hard sometimes. <laughs> what was his name? Do you remember? Gorham. Is that all of the controversy? I was locked up. Locked up for what? I just fucking told you. <laughs> for an assault on a soldier. I was in the police station for about four hours. What became of your case? They put my bail down to $2. Then did they try your case? Yes, they did, but I was locked up on Wednesday, and they did not try it until Friday. And Friday, I was fined $10, and I refused to pay and appealed to the high court. So your case is now on appeal? Yes, sir. Were you at the station on Saturday morning, February 24th? I stayed home. I was afraid to go out. The police might get a hold of me and, you know, club me because uh, a bunch of women were going to take their uh, kids to a train station. <laughs> Did you see anything, any difficulty between the policemen and the women that morning? The next day on Sunday. Tell me about that and uh, tell where you were. Tell it in your own way. No, I want to tell it in the way of the great storyteller, this is, this is a, William Shakespeare. <laughs> this is a really stupid chairman. Tell it in your own way. Yeah. Duh. Duh. On Sunday, I was at a Polish meeting, because that's the only type of meeting us Polish have. <laughs> and we were <laughs> waiting uh, for a speaker. There were two speakers, and they got through speaking, and the people were getting tired of waiting for a new speaker because the hall was full of smoke. So some of them went out front to have some fresh air. I went out also. A policeman came up and told me to go inside, and I told him I was standing on the steps, motherfucker, and that (laughs) the steps are motherfucking private. What are you going to do about it? That I would not go inside. A fuck you. Was that at the corner of Oak and Sharp Streets? At the corner of Oak and Sharp Streets. Then another policeman came over to me. There was about four or five. He says, tell these people in your own language to to not block up the sidewalk. Just as the people were coming out and I was in there i kept telling them not to block up the sidewalk but either stand on the curb or against the building anyway another policeman (laughs) came up and he says (laughs) were you the girl that was fined i knew this policeman was looking for trouble so i did not answer i did not want to make him make any trouble with him he took a walk and came back and one of the fellows standing on the sidewalk and he pushed this fellow the policeman grabbed him and arrested him so when this policeman arrested this fellow the rest of the people came out from the hall and in about most uh, in about five minutes (laughs) there were about 20 policemen clubbing people and they were clubbing the women and they threw one woman in the mud she was about 45 years age other woman fell down and they hit her on the head they split her heads open I seen bloodshed there. Chairman's question is dumb. Literally just responded to, I seen blood. Did this woman bleed? Well, no. She had a hat on at the time. I could not see. I saw men bleeding. You say they split their heads open. How do you mean? They hit them in their fucking head. (laughs) (laughs) With their clubs? With their clubs. (laughs) They were all (laughs) bleeding. I seen about two men. 
Do you remember uh, the names of any of them? No, I do not. Then the cavalry troops came, and they were riding through the sidewalks and through the streets, the militia on horses. Is there any other statement you would like to make to this committee that you have not been asked about? I do not know. I do not know anything. You know nothing about the children leaving Lawrence? No, I was not on the children's committee. Tell why it is you were taking part in this controversy now and why you joined the strikes. Well, we had a meeting at the Polish Hall, and the Poles, I can say that because I'm Polish, (laughs) said they wanted some delegates. And so they elected four of us at the meeting, and I belonged to the strike committee. How long have you belonged to it? Three weeks. Yes, I was elected by the Polish strikers. Oh, fun name change. Mr. Pooh. (laughs) Because he's full of poo. Do you know anything about the children that were taken down to New York? Were you there the day they were taken to New York? No, but my two sisters are in New York. It has been suggested that the reason why the children did not have on underclothing was because they thought possibly they might be furnished with underclothing when they got to New York. Do you know anything about the way these factory children are dressed in the wintertime? Do you know whether, as a rule, they are provided with warm clothing? Very seldom. Do They do not have enough money to get necessary clothes and other underclothing. You have been in the homes of these pack factory people frequently? I mean, I'm a fucking factory person, so <laughs> yes, sir! I am a factory girl myself. That's w- why you're interviewing me. <laughs> I want you to describe to the committee what sort of food these people live on. Well, bread and syrup, I guess, and molasses and beans. Mm, Whoever yummy. wrote out the court transcript didn't know how to spell syrup. <laughs> As a rule, how often do the factory people have the meat? Well, they This t- is <laughs> cue porn music. <laughs> I can have the meat right now, sir. <laughs> well, they do not have meat very often. They buy a soup bone and make soup. Do you say that as a rule, these people working in those mills, of course, <laughs> there are exceptions, <laughs> uh, that they are um, uh, provided with meat only once a week? No, sir, it is not a rule. It is because they cannot afford to pay for meat you misunderstand the question is it because as you say they have not the money to buy meat Uh, okay side note she answered the question (laughs) they don't have the money to afford the meat yes sir on five and six dollars a week you cannot have everything you have to pay rent mr wilson Do not your factory people ever have any pie? (laughs) You little bitch, I can barely (laughs) afford meat. Don't talk about pie right now. Actually, she said, once in a while, but the things are so very expensive, the flour and things. Mr. Garrett, how many are in your family, Mrs. Liss? In your father's family? Six children. I'm running out of voices. How many of them work in the factory? I am the only one that is working with my father. I have a brother, but just as soon as he was about 15, he left home. He said he did not have anything that he wanted. (laughs) You and your father are the only family members of the family. Yes, sir. That work in the factory. What do the other children do? Well, like, they go to school. And your mother does not work (laughs) in the factory? She used to one time when I was about nine years old and had to take care of a little baby. The baby was about seven or eight months old. It was mine. I stayed home and my mother went to work. Back to Mr. Powell. Miss Liss, is your family considerably above the average as to its financial circumstances among the people? We are very poor. (laughs) (laughs) But about 70 years ago, my father's folks died in the old country and they left some property down there and we bought the property. But we are in pretty bad condition. We have a mortgage on the house and we have to pay interest and taxes and we would be better off if we did not have any. Would you say that your financial situation is better than the average situation of the people in Lawrence? That is, the mill workers? (laughs) What would you say about that, or do you know? I do not think so. I do not think it is, because we have to worry more when taxes come and interest, and we must have money. You are able to do that. However, just with the labor of your father and yourself? Are you suggesting my two-year-old brother should go to the mills, sir? (laughs) That's also not in there, but that's how I feel (laughs) right now. Sometimes we borrow, and then after that, try some way to save it up a dollar two every week. From the pay, under s- from the pay. You spoke a while ago of purchasing water. Do I understand that you buy that of the mill company? Oh, yes. It is supposed to be spring water. 
supposed to be. <laughs> the operatives bring spring water in bottles every day. They give the money to the bookkeeper, and I guess the boss pays for the water. The bookkeeper goes around every other week, and we give the money to her. I do not know where it goes. I think it, she gives it to the foreman, whatever. What they do with the money, I do not know. <laughs> Did you state that your father's income was $7 per week, and you... $7 per week, an income of $14 a week, on which is supported a family of eight. One of your brothers is away. That makes seven. Are the other children younger than you? One, I don't like your tone. That's only $14 a week, you little shit. <laughs> um, yes, sir. All younger. Will you state your age, Miss Lith? 21. Let's drink. No, just one or two questions touching this episode when you assaulted the soldier. Do I understand that when you met him in the street on the way to your home, there were no greetings between you until he pre peremptorily ordered you to turn back? No, sir. Nothing else. Did you understand where he wanted you to go? He wanted me to turn back again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean he wanted you to turn back and go to the factory? Did you understand it that way? No, just simply turn back. He said, you gotta go. And it's funny that a person cannot scratch his own head when he wants to. I said, my father pays taxes. Did he assign any reason? Because he fucking needs one. <laughs> he did not. That is what it was. He simply told me to turn back. And when you refused, he grabbed you by the arm. Yes, sir. Ooh, ooh. It's Mr. Stanley. So I'm going to do Stanley from the office. Miss Liss, when you speak of hitting the soldier with your muff, did you hurt him very much? I do not believe I did. I just wanted to push him away from me. Was it a large, heavy muff? I don't okay. know. <laughs> All right. See We're for <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I have the, it right here. <laughs> we need the porn to come <laughs> in now. I have it right here. Showing muff. Is that the <laughs> weapon you used on the soldier? Yes, sir. Did he appear frightened? He was angry. He swore at me. It was something terrible. <laughs> Did he tell you he was going to have you arrested for threatening him that way? Yes, sir. He said he would. The militiamen surrounded me as, as if I were a murderer. You were immediately surrounded after you assaulted the soldier? Yes, sir. Ooh, Mr. Lenroot. Ooh, what voice should I do for this one? I have no idea. We'll do Bane. You spoke of going <laughs> to Watertown and earning 10 or $12 a week. Was that in the woolen mill? Yes, sir. The same kind of job I have with this company. And the wages were higher? Yes, sir. The pay was more. Why did you not stay at Watertown? Well, my folks are in Lawrence. When the work started up, I came back. Now, you went out on strike the first day with the rest of them and with Batman? What did you <laughs> do at afterward, Batman? Nothing. I went home. What is your work, Batman? I have swear to God, I've said this like six times. It's mending, you bitch. <laughs> what were you doing at Watertown, Batman? Oh, my fucking job. Mending. <laughs> You got 10 or $12 a week from there for the same work you were doing at Lawrence for seven, Batman? Yes, sir. Back to the chairman. You may stand aside. And then Mr. Campbell says, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to do. We're pretending it's the chairman again. Yeah. I also I have also the record of one Victoria Polish name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. He doesn't even try to pronounce no. it. He gives two different pronunciations. Uh, actually, uh, that's the end. All right. Yeah. Oh, but the other one was about how somebody's scalp got ripped off. And then Ooh, I ah. was going to do that one. But then <laughs> the congressman was like, they paid for your medical bills. Why are you complaining? Because my scalp was ripped off. But can you believe how condescending and dickish they were Ridiculous. to people? That's like, bad. like, oh, you had $14 a week. I think you can. You're fine. You're fine. You don't need meat every day. <laughs> Um, so after all the... Wait, wait, I'm confused. Where's, where's the meat? Aren't I supposed to be getting a blowjob right now? <laughs> what uh, just happened? I thought we were in the middle of a porno. You you keep talking about your muff, ma'am, and I just, <laughs> I just want to see it. <laughs> so after all the testimony, the people of the U.S. were firmly on the mill workers' side because they found out how horrible it was to work in a textile mill. On March 12, 1912, the mill owners agreed to a 15% wage increase for the workers. And that ended the bread and roses strike of 1912. So they were on strike for a pretty good amount of time. Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh -huh. right. And it brought major labor reform to the United States, 
with women's working conditions, kids' working conditions, you know, working conditions in general. It's almost a perfect segue into mine. Okay. On on accident. Because over the, the following 20 years or so, that ended 1912? Yes. Following 23 years, obviously there was a lot of development in labor mm-hmm, law and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my My incident is known as the Battle of the Overpass. And I have taken a little note from Sasha here. I actually put a subtitle in my notes. Ooh. Uh, it's Battle of the Overpass or, wait, you're telling me Henry Ford was a dick? We all knew Henry Ford was a dick. Right. Well, it's a sarcastic with a question mark. So the Battle of the Overpass took place on May 26th, 1937. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those events that's seen as one of the turning points for labor relations, specifically in regard to like major national corporate power. Uh, the the background is the National Labor Relations Act, one of the things that kind of spawned from, from the, the developments yeah. around yours. Uh, it's also known as the Wagner Act because it was sponsored by New York uh, Congressman Robert F. Wagner. Not the one who killed his wife. Maybe, I don't know. No, Robert Did Wagner, the actor. No. Didn't he kill Natalie Wood? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> totally not what we were researching. I, okay. I'm allowed to not okay. know the answer to that question. Um so under the National Labor Relations Act, act uh, private sector employees uh, had rights to unionize. They could engage in collective bargaining. They could take action to protest unjust behavior by their employers, including striking. They were allowed to strike. Okay. Uh, fun fact I learned, this does not cover railway workers, agricultural workers, domestic employees, government workers, or relatives of employers because they're governed by nepotism acts. Well, I kind of get the nepotism act thing. Yeah. I also know government employers can't employees yeah. can't. But do railway that. workers have their own union, as do ag workers. Yeah, and apparently domestic people did later they, on. They yeah they they do, sort of. So May twenty sixth, nineteen thirty seven, local one seventy four, the Michigan chapter of the United Automobile Workers. That union. Everybody knows that union. If you live in Michigan, you really know yeah, that union. They were like the biggest union. Yeah. Pretty much ever. Um, I think I, well, I think they were yeah. the biggest ever. Yeah. Like the the like specific labor union probably. Anyway. Yeah. So one seventy four was conducting a campaign at Ford's River Rouge plant in Dearborn, Michigan. Yeehaw. The campaign was very simple, consisted of just handing out some uh, pamphlets, materials, mm-hmm. information on the UAW, the National Labor Relations Act, and they were basically trying to sway employees. They came in a shift yeah. change, so a lot of people leaving, a lot of people coming, uh, and they were trying to basically start a, a thing. And I assume they weren't on the property proper. They were on a uh, a civilian... It's a pedestrian overpass, like a like so a they were on bridge. they were on public lands. So they were yeah they were they outside. were not on a privately held. Correct. They were yes. outside the property uh, proper. They were near one of the gates to mm-hmm. specifically get a lot well, of workers yeah. coming in, but they they were trying to sway them. Hey, come to us. We'll yeah, get join you. our union. We'll get you instead of six dollars for an eight hour workday, six dollars mm-hmm. a week or whatever. Uh, actually, six dollars an eight-hour workday in nineteen thirties. So yeah, that the makes UAW. Sense. We're gonna get you eight dollars. Hot damn! For a six-hour workday, plus benefits. This this. Was I mean, like can a, I have that now? <laughs> <laughs> I'll I take eight it. bucks for a six-hour day. A six-hour day. So the the chapter uh, leaders, Walter. I, oh man, I forgot to look up how to pronounce this guy's name. R e u t h e r, Ruther or Reuther depending whatever you feel um robert cantor jj kennedy and richard frankenstein <laughs> frankenstein frankenstein <laughs> okay we're on a pedestrian overpass on on miller road it was outside gate four uh-huh. um they were posing uh for photographs a whole bunch of newspaper reporters showed up because holy fuck guys these guys are trying to unionize a ford plant and ford's a notorious asshole and against very against Lab- unions. Uh, yeah. Unions. Um, the It was a very photo opportunity, like picture perfect, because you know what's on that gate, like above the door outside that gate? The Ford logo. Oh. So they're getting photographs. They got the logos. Everything's super fancy. Enter Harry Bennett. 
after conducting the research for this, I'm convinced that Bennett is basically one of history's assholes. His most well, I mean, he's one of he's one of history's most under the radar assholes. Um, okay, I'll give you that. He uh, was the head of the Ford Service Department. Porn music? No. Um, Does service mean like break your legs because you're not? <laughs> Service department was actually a euphemism for the company's internal security. Bum, bum, and fun fact, they, they found it after the fact that the service department uh-huh. was one of the largest private police forces in the world at the time. Jeez. But I mean, and Ford was huge at Ford, the time. Yeah. And it existed almost mainly, almost solely to prevent Ford employees from unionizing. Lame. Um, Bennett uh, himself was a former boxer and had served in the Navy in World War One. Uh, he was real capable of beating some ass. I would um, hope so. His team included former uh, boxer Kid McCoy and, flashback to last week's half-ass sports entry by Sasha, 1912 Olympian all-around super-duper athlete Jim Thorpe. No, Jim Thorpe! Why? Yep. In, Why uh, would you do this, yeah, Jim Thorpe? But in, he was hella old by that time. He was. He was old. He was also broke off his ass. Yeah, that's could why do. Jim Thorpe did that. But just wait until you hear about some of the shit I mean, he but did. also you can say like, hey, I got beat up by Jim Thorpe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to, to really stress how much of a fucking dick Bennett was, 1932, during the Great Depression, Ford workers were less than thrilled with the fact that they were building all these cars that were still pretty popular in America. Yeah. So they held what they called the Ford Hunger March. The fact that that exists is a clue right there that the workers were probably right. I believe I've read about this for one of our episodes. I don't remember which one and I don't remember why. (laughs) Continue. So (laughs) 3,000 men marched on the River Rouge plant. And they demanding demanding enough wages to actually be able to feed themselves. Like that's. I mean, people just want so much from employers these days. I don't understand. Right? As somebody who wants to be in the one percent, I would like the one percent <laughs> to hear me say this right now. Fuck the little people. They don't need to eat. Hey, one percent, call me. Let them eat cake, right? <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, so or pie. They they marched on the plant. Bennett and his cronies are are chilling. Mm-hmm. They meet him. They have fire hoses, tear gas, and fucking machine guns. Why do you need a machine gun? You never need a machine gun. Right? And they just opened fire, ultimately killed five of the protesters. No! Like, like that's what Jim Thorpe didn't, did he? No, I couldn't confirm if he specifically was involved. I feel but like at the he, time, he wasn't. At I the time, he was. worked for Ford Security, so at the very least, he's guilty he by association. There. He was there. He's in the back lines, just like so, stretching. May 26, 1937, five years later, right outside that very same River Rouge plant, because history just likes to come in circles that just fucks over the well, 99%. Well, especially when you're Ford and you're always an asshole. Right. Once an asshole, always an asshole. That's Bennett, their new logo. Bennett and all of his shitty cronies approached the United Auto Workers uh, leaders. Uh, remember, Reuther, Cantor, Kennedy, and Frankenstein. Stein. They, uh, they, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so they approach them all, and they just attack them. Like, they surround them and start punching the shit out of them. Ah. Reuther uh, was repeatedly thrown and slammed into concrete. One of them was kicked down two flights of concrete stairs. And then... As if Bennett's thugs weren't assholes enough, they actually attacked the women's auxiliary of the local 174. No, you never attacked the women. As well as all of the newspaper photographers that had gathered. They started just like kicking the shit out of Well, everybody. I mean, you kind of have to get the evidence, so you got to smash some cameras. That's exactly what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. This is where Detroit News photographer James Kilpatrick comes in. You go, James! He was one of the photographers, and of course they attacked him, but he was also pretty savvy. The attack started, he kind of fled to his car, managed to switch out the film from his camera. Ah, uh, you're killing it, James. So when they came to him and demanded it, he actually gave them like blank plates that they destroyed. I and wish they, they were just pictures of his butt. <laughs> <laughs> but they, And they totally believed that, that they had destroyed all the evidence of it. Mm-hmm. So the incident was less an actual battle of the overpass and more of a... Beating up of the overpass. I, I've I've termed Ass it. whooping. I've termed it. Cowardly dickheads attack a bunch of labor leaders trying to improve things for workers. Dot dot dot. 
on an overpass. Um, <laughs> the overpass is the mainly the important yeah, part. You, it has to be on an overpass. That's the key detail. Yeah. So Bennett, remember, he thought he had destroyed all of the evidence. He fucking pulled a Trump and just claims that the incident didn't happen that way. So the thing is, you have a bunch of these people with black eyes and broken bones, and you can't say... What, did they did they run into a doorknob? <laughs> All of them ran into a doorknob? In an interview with Time Magazine, uh-huh. Bennett said, quote, The affair was deliberately provoked by union officials. They simply wanted to provoke a charge of Ford brutality. I know definitely no Ford serviceman or plant police were involved in any way in the fight. As a matter of fact, the servicemen had issued instructions to the union people could come and distribute their pamphlets at the gates so long Bull as they didn't interfere shit. with employees at work. The unionists were beaten by regular Ford employees who were on their way to work on the afternoon shift. The union men called them scabs and cursed and taunted them. End quote. Well, you know, I to give to the, give this guy a little credit. When I'm walking between buildings at work, People are trying to hand me pamphlets. I am about ready to beat them. To be fair, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I am on your I mean, side on that one. Stop shoving your bullshit into my hand. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not it's, helping it's, it's your reasonable. stupid frat. <laughs> <sighs> Either way, you may recognize his statement as a total bullshit lie, which well, I think yeah. you do based yeah, on I, the fact that you yeah. called it out. Um, he also asserted that the union guys were just communist terrorists. Well, yeah, they are. Like, but I mean, let's not be a... But, the, the police sided with Ford. They refused, uh, they refused they to do anything except they said that the service department were defending public property. That's it, right? Wouldn't they be defending private property? No, because it, it was on the overpass uh, outside of Ford territory. Oh, God, I got it. Just called them good citizens. And everyone just sort of believed this. If anything, they were damaging public property by slamming somebody's head into the concrete. That would chip <laughs> some concrete right there. I saw, I saw the photographs <laughs> after. Trust me, the concrete was not hurt. Well, I'll stain <laughs> some concrete right there. <laughs> um, so everyone just sort of believed this until, until... Until our think, Irish boy Fitz, I can't find his name. Kilgan, ja James Kilpatrick, uh, good old Kilpatrick. <laughs> uh, he published his photographs. He got them developed and published them. And what do you know? People got a little pissed off at Ford. I don't see why they just beat up a bunch <laughs> of innocent people for handing out leaflets. <laughs> Ford tried to put a bandaid on the whole thing by raising worker pay a little bit. I mean, that's nice. But it was a pretty blatant PR move. And it didn't do shit mm -hmm. um, because uh, later uh, later that year, uh, 1937, mm -hmm. Bennett and uh, Ford's lawyers were called before a hearing in front of the brand new Neighbor Labor Relations Board, which had been established by the uh, or the National Labor Relations Board. The it had been established by the National Labor Relations Act. Kilpatrick just kind of presented even more of his photographs. Said, Do you Look see? At this. Look and, at this. And the photographs clearly show like the union workers are doing stuff and talking to people. Yeah. And then Bennett and his people just show up and surround them and start kicking the shit out of them. Like it's pretty, pretty blatant. Mm. Ford workers testified to just the awful shit that the service department would do to people. And then those workers lost their jobs. <laughs> and how regularly uh, anyone that contemplated unionizing would be immediately fired. Mm -hmm. Ford realized he was fucked. Uh, public opinion swayed heavily in favor of the workers. On June 20th, 1941, this is kind of one of the stories where you don't realize how heavy the concessions are going to be until you hear it, and you're kind of impressed. Yeah. On June 20th, 1941, the United Auto Workers and Ford Motor Company signed their first collective bargaining agreement. Among the highlights of that deal, Ford matched the highest wages in the auto industry and gave back pay to more than 4,000 workers that, that had been... The back pay is impressive. Well, like, you ain't uh, never going to get back pay. Not only to the workers that hadn't been paid, mm -hmm. but also to people that had been fired for attempting oh, to shit. unionize. Yeah. Like it Did was, they rehire the people who attempted to unionize? I, I couldn't find a, a thing. No. But either way, like you hear that and you're like, God damn. Like that is a lot of money. That, yeah. So uh, a little postscript there. Uh, Walter Reuther, whatever, went on to be the president of the UAW and he led it through like its glorious he, glory days. Mm -hmm. All the you hear about the glory days of the auto industry. He was the guy that led that for the union. So he was the badass who made that happen. He was. Mm -hmm. uh, at, at their peak, they had like 1.2 million members. He was the one that secured 
pensions, insurance, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, however, in the 70s, uh, the UAW was unable to secure uh, basically workers' rights for plants owned by foreign car companies. So Ooh. so they kind of they kind of they peaked in 79. Uh-huh. Currently there's only about 390,000 members. Still mm. still pretty influential as far as manufacturing in the US goes. Yeah. But definitely not what they used to be. Um and that is the story of the Battle of the Overpass. One of these days we're going to have to cover Ford and how much of a shit human being he was. We could do a shitheads episode. We'll do Ford and Edison. Yeah. Both shitheads, they knew each other. They did. Yeah, I've been to the Henry Ford Museum in Michigan. Yeah, that's where it would be. Detroit, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you, were, you were there, how do you not I know? I was there, it was a long day. We ended up we ended up in fucking Quebec at night, so yeah. Oh, so, oh, so you guys, you got, you got crack? Yeah. Fuck yeah, all right. Well, no, not Quebec. Where's the Niagara Falls at? Oh, we went to De- from Detroit to Niagara Falls in a day, less than a day. Damn, it was intense, dude. Niagara Falls is up like New York area. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Okay, there's a lot of driving. I didn't do it. My dad did. Well yeah. then, in that case, I had a Ford. I I drive a Mazda. I used to have a car made by Ford, but it was a Mercury. I had a Ford Focus, and guess what happened to it? It became Mercury's. No, it threw it ti- its timing belt, timing chain. Oh. And destroyed the engine. Ouch. Sad times. I like that car, too. Almost like the UAW destroyed Ford. Ha! Ah! They didn't. I know, Ford's still... They make okay trucks, I guess. I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Don't sue us, Ford. So, so that's it for this episode of LHC. What? Uh, follow us on everything. Instagram. Twitter. That's the other one. Uh, listen to us everywhere you listen to us. You would know that if you're listening to us. Yes. It's like it's not like Fight Club. Like the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. You're you know that that's not the rule with this though. Please tell your friends yes. and have them yeah. listen to yeah. us. Do not misunderstand. <laughs> yes. First and second rule of Fight Club: swap them both for LHC. Yeah. yeah. Tell your friends about about LHC and tell your friends about LHC. Yes. Just tell people about us but i still think we should keep the eighth rule of fight club which is if it's your first time you have to fight oh so do they have to fight us just anyone okay cool yeah (laughs) if this is your first time listening go punch somebody except uh we didn't tell you to do that yeah no we're not liable for that yeah yeah yeah, you are capable of exercising free will Uh uh-huh and please do so including judgment um yeah that's it okay as always when you tell your friends about LHC, first and second rule. Tell them we said something interesting. <laughs> <laughs>